Hi, I'm David Goforth, pastor at Grace Baptist Church. So glad that you're taking the time to listen to this podcast. And I want to let you know we're here to help you. If you have any questions, please visit our website, gbcwc.org. Contact us. We'd love to help. Amen. Take your Bibles, if you would. Open them up to 2 Corinthians. We are getting to the end of our different questions that you can ask yourself in diagnosing your spiritual health. Am I growing? Am I moving forward in my Christian life? And this is really the last question. Some of the questions we've taken for weeks and weeks and weeks, and some we've covered in just one week. I don't know exactly how long. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, I don't know if I told you the chapter, but 2 Corinthians 4. I don't know how long it'll take, maybe two weeks, maybe one week. This is the last question And this is the question that has been most obvious to me over the years in ministry. I have seen uh, this happen in folks that uh, as they are growing and as they are progressing in their spiritual walk, I see them uh, change in this particular thing. Now, for those of you uh, that knew my family from before, when we were here before we moved to Florida, you know that we're getting close to the time when my family takes its annual vacation. And our annual vacation is at Oak Island, North Carolina. Does anybody know where Oak Island, North Carolina is? Okay, a few of you do. It's at the very southern point of North Carolina. You say, well, what kind of island is it? It's basically an island because the intercoastal waterway separates it from the mainland. It's not like out in the middle of the ocean. You don't have to take a helicopter to get there or anything like that. Uh, it's just uh, it's this little island right off of North Carolina. And we go there. And you say, well, Pastor, why does your family go to North Carolina? Well, back in the 60s, my grandfather built a retirement home there. My dad went to help him with that. Then my dad started going there when, long before I was born. And we've been going ever since as well. What is it about Oak Island that draws people to Oak Island? I don't know. You say, well, is it, is it, the, is it the white pristine beaches? Nope, pristine, there's, there's no pristine beaches there. There's no white beaches there. You say, is it the beautiful Atlantic Ocean? No, this particular island is at the end of the Cape Fear River. The Cape Fear River uh, empties out into the Atlantic Ocean right next to this island, which means that everything that's in North Carolina in the Cape Fear, uh, what do they call that, watershed? It all drains in the Cape Fear River, and by the time it gets out to the ocean, it kind of makes the ocean look like mm, old root beer. Kind of brown, a little bit of froth, not a lot. But it's not the kind of thing where you're going to get a picture of it and send it to somebody and, uh, and say, boy, look at this. Isn't this wonderful? You say, well, is there anything about Oak Island that stands out? Yes, there is. I don't know if you remember this, but a couple years ago, there were two shark attacks off of the coast of North Carolina. Do you remember the two shark attacks? That was right at Oak Island. <laughs> that was right where we, where we lived. We thought, oh, no, that we're going to have to shut down. That's really about the only thing. So why do you go there? Well, we go there primarily because that is where my family vacations. And my family enjoys, when, if you were to talk to any Goforth about vacation, you said two words, the beach. They're not thinking of a beach in Hawaii. They're not t- thinking about a beach in Florida. They are thinking about a brown, dirty, sanded beach with root beer water in North Carolina. So we say, you're really talking this down. Yeah, I don't want any more people showing up there. There's already too many people already. But the reality is that we get so excited for the last week in March. Why? Because we are longing to be there. And, and again, it, it, it's because of the family vacation. Now, I want to ask you a question. When is the last time you have longed, longed, desired to be 
in heaven. There's a lot of things about the Christian life that we talk about. But there are so many things that we talk about that we don't actually spend time thinking about. And that's the fact that we are going one day to spend an eternity in our home with the Lord Jesus in heaven. And the Bible tells us, are you there in 2 Corinthians chapter 4? Right before we get to the verses there in 2 Corinthians, the Bible says in Colossians, if you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. What is he talking about? Things in the attic? Things in Alaska? He's talking about in heaven. Seek those things that are above where Christ sits on the right hand of God. And set your affection on things above, not on things in the earth. We're literally, as Christians, supposed to take our affections and set them in heaven. Now that's a plain, simple, easy instruction. And yet that's one of the areas that very often Christians, we kind of lack behind as far as, do we, are we truly, do we have an affection toward heaven? Do we, do we have a longing to be with the Lord? Do we have a longing, not just to be away from, and to be honest, there was a time in my life as a Christian, I didn't want to go to heaven. Some of you are looking at me like, how can you? Yeah, I remember I was about to get my driver's license. I thought, Lord, I I prayed for you to come back, but don't come back now. I want to get my driver's license. And and the next time that I thought about it was was right before I got married. I thought, you know, Lord, I want you to come back, but let's wait till after July. Because I thought, boy, how how terrible. And then then what's the next thing? Well, God, I want to have I want to have kids. Boy, was that a no, 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 just a. Lord, I want to have grandkids. Lord, and we, there's so many things that here can draw our affections back down instead of setting our affections on things that are above. Are you there in 2 Corinthians 4? Look what Paul says here. Verse 17, if you would. Paul says, Our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. For we know... That if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God. A house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed upon with our house which is from heaven. If so be that being clothed we shall not be found naked. For we that are in this tabernacle do groan, being burdened, not for that we should be unclothed, but clothed upon, that mortality might be swallowed up of life. Now he that hath wrought us for the selfsame thing is God, who also hath given us unto us the earnest of the Spirit. Therefore we are always confident, knowing that whilst we are at home in the body, we're absent from the Lord. We walk by faith, not by sight. And we are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Paul's natural state when he wrote Second Corinthians was, you know what it's, he, he, do you see what he's saying here? Do you understand how it's much more obvious that we want to be in heaven than we want to be here? Paul, when he wrote uh, to one church, he said, listen, I want, I, I'm kind of caught between a rock and a hard place. He said, I'm in a straight betwixt two, whether to, to go to heaven and be in heaven or to stay here and be with you. And I think this would be more profitable for you. But Paul is actually torn. And I wonder, when is the last time you've actually been torn between, okay, Lord, am I going to keep going here or do I get to go home? Do I long to be with heaven? In fact, I remember at a time in my life when I talked to people who were longing to go to heaven that I thought something was wrong with them. I thought, well, how sad. You just want to get rid of this. No, 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 no. That's an evidence of a heart that is fixed on Christ, of a heart that is fixed on God that says, I, I, I long to be. Heaven becomes more real. I, 
remember when my sister passed away and I, and I went to that funeral. And it was, at the time, the most difficult thing that I had gone through personally. And as I was sitting there and listening to, the, to her pastor preach and as he was talking about uh, different things, and he, he said something that resonated with me. He said, you know what? When you know somebody that has been somewhere, you, you, it just kind of draws you closer to it. He says, and those of you that knew Amy now know that Amy's in heaven. There's a little bit more of you that longs for heaven. He said, and it's not wrong for that to be that way. And he talked about how he kind of felt guilty about wanting to be in heaven to see his loved ones. He said, God wouldn't have told us that we were going to see our loved ones if he didn't want us to long for it and to look for it and to enjoy that time. Can I tell you something? My, I, I've got family all over the country now. Well, not all over the country. In a couple of different states. Three different states. Well, two different states because one's home. No, three different states. It would be four different states. It doesn't matter. This is one of those details my wife says. Nobody cares. Just keep going, David. It's useless information, so I'll keep going, all right? Just, we'll scrub that last part off the, uh, off the live stream. But we get in and we, we, we send our kids off. You say, aren't you happy to get rid of them? Part of me is always happy to get rid of my children in any situation. I mean, when they were little, when they were older. But boy, part of me always loves when we're going to get back together. And my heart longs for that. And it looks toward that. And God says through Paul here in 2 Corinthians 4, it's, it's just absolutely normal. We are groaning to get rid of this mortality and to be with him. Now, now, why is that? Let me just go through a couple of things really quickly, just to try to encourage and help your hearts this evening. There's a couple of things, a, a number of things that we can think about, and then maybe do some specific things, maybe some specific general applications on how we can set our affections on things above. But let me encourage you. One of the things, you, you know your heart. This is not a question you can ask of anybody else. But if you are consistently and constantly walking with the Lord and growing in the Lord, you are growing in your desire to be with him. In your desire to spend your eternity with him. That's a normal thing. That's the last question we're asking about diagnosing your spiritual health. Do we long? For heaven, to be with Jesus. Let's have a word of prayer and we'll get into it. Lord, thank you. Bless us with wisdom as we look into your word to see truth and understand it. Apply it and be able to, Lord, set our affections on things that are above. And Lord, not get distracted with the stuff that's down here. Lord, help us. Help it to be a profitable time. We love you. In Christ's precious name, amen. Why, why should we long for heaven? Well, a couple of things. Number one, your father's in heaven. We've been talking about this on Sunday morning, right? We've been talking about when, when Jesus said, pray after this manner, when he gave us the model prayer, he said, our Father, which art in heaven. Our Father is there. And listen, to understand and to realize that, listen, this is the place where our loving Father is. That's where we long to be. Revelation 21 says this, I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Now, you've heard these verses hundreds of times, maybe more than that, in your walk with God. Listen to them. Let your sanctified imagination take off a little bit. John's trying to describe for us what heaven's going to be like, and he's trying to paint a picture of an infinite reality to finite minds. It's a very difficult thing to do. So, so get a little crazy with your sanctified imagination and try to, try to picture this in your own mind, what he's talking about. He says, he sees this new Jerusalem coming from God out of heaven. Verse 3, and I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. And he will dwell with them. Do you realize that has been the desire of all mankind since whenever? To be with God, to be able to be in the same place, to have that void erased. 
people have made up all different kinds of religions and all different kinds of ways to try to get to this. And they've come up with all different crazy things. And this is how you do it. And this is how you do it. And this is the time when God says he is coming and you're going to dwell with him. And he says, they shall be his people. And listen to this. And God himself shall be with them. Because I'll tell you what, this morning when the choir sang, I stand redeemed, my sanctified imagination took over a little bit. And I started thinking about the lamb as it had been. I don't know what that's going to look like, but I've imagined it so many different ways. And to think of the fact that I stand, and then I began to think about the fact, hey, I don't just stand redeemed then, I stand redeemed now. And I got excited. But still, my eyes want to see him. My hands want to touch him. I want to be in his presence. And the Bible says God himself, which means reality really there. And how is that going to be with millions of believers throughout the ages? I don't know. But there's not going to be a back of the line, amen? There's not going to be somebody on the far side of heaven going, I hope one day I get to be with him. Okay? There's not the other side of the tracks in heaven, folks. Right? Have you ever thought about that? I don't know how God's going to do that. But he is going to himself be with us. And what? He will say, listen, God will wipe, verse 4, will wipe away all tears from their eyes. and No more death, neither sorrow nor crying. Neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. I hear more people talk about, boy, I can't wait to get to heaven just to get rid of this pain. And part of it, when you're a young person, you don't have a lot of pain, you don't think much about pain. You're like, yeah, I want to go to heaven for there to be no pain. What are you talking about? But honestly, it shouldn't be just to be the escape of pain. It's to be with the one who sent his son to die for us, with the one who has redeemed us, with the one who has chosen us and made us a royal priesthood, to be able to be with him and for our faith no longer to be anything but sight. And how exciting that will be. Our Father's in heaven. Not only that, and I know you know this, but your Savior's in heaven. Hebrews 9 says, For Christ has not entered into the holy places made with hands, which are the figures of the true, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. You are going to be able to stand before the one who gave his life for you. You're going to be able to personally interact with the one who loved you and died for you. That's going to happen where? Not in West Columbia. Not in Casey. It's going to happen in heaven. We're going to be with him. Not only is our Father and the Savior in heaven, you probably know the next one I'm going to talk about, huh? The Holy Spirit. The one we talked about this morning that gets so little press in in so many theological circles. He's kind of like the forgotten idea of the Trinity. The Holy Spirit is in heaven and we're going to be able to dwell with him. The Bible says in Revelation chapter 1, and this is a picture here of the Spirit of God in in, in verse 4. It says, John to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace be unto you in peace from him which is and which was and which is to come and from the seven spirits which are before his throne. And that's a picture of the Spirit of God, of the Holy Spirit. And then you go to verse 5, and from Jesus Christ, who is a faithful witness. We're going to be able to understand and glory in the Trinity in a way we've never been able to, to rejoice in who the Holy Spirit is and what he has done for us and to be able to think about all, I mean, think about all the different things that you've been able to meet with somebody and say, oh, this is what you did and this is what you, oh, thank you for that. And to be able to be with the Holy Spirit who has empowered you, who has taught you, who has sealed you, has re- to be with him. It's going to be in heaven. Our Father, our Savior, our Holy Spirit is in heaven. But not only that, our family. Now I know not everybody in this room 
Not everybody has all of their family members saved. And I'm not talking about your earthly family. I'm talking about your heavenly family. And I don't know exactly how this is going to work. Teenagers will often ask some very difficult questions. They'll say, what about this and what about this? And one, one question, this came up in the last couple of weeks. In, in heaven, will you, still, will you recognize your daughter as your daughter? It says you're not given in marriage, so how will you recognize a daughter if you don't recognize that you had a wife? And, and God doesn't describe all those things for us, but realize, I don't know who or what family member you are closest to, but realize when we get to heaven and sin is wiped away, that we are the family of God, and that will be absolutely experienced between everybody. There will not be somebody in heaven thinking, oh, I wish I had a more family. We will not be without, we will be part and parcel of the greatest group that God has ever assembled. Hebrews 12, 23, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven. That's you. The church of the firstborn that are written in heaven, your family is there. Now, some of you, when you think of family, something warm happens in your heart. Other people, when you think of family, you go, no. But you're not going to think that when you get to heaven. Even the family that's saved right now that makes you think, you're going to be okay with them in heaven. Your family is there. You're going to be loved. Your home is in heaven. Luke chapter 10. Notwithstanding in this, rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. What does that mean? It's talking about your names are on the title deed. Your name... When, when the, the Bible talks about the book of life, we, we think of that as some, just some ethereal spiritual thing. But there was actually a book of life often in many towns and many municipalities that when you were born, you were entered into that book of life. This person was born in this town. And what Luke is saying here, Jesus says, listen, don't rejoice that the spirits listen to you. Rejoice that your name's on the title deed. That the eternal you have a pardon. Your home is in heaven. Your inheritance is in heaven. First Peter 1 Peter 1.3 Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. I don't know about you, but I've always kind of secretly wished that somewhere I had a rich uncle. Anybody else like that? Anyone else hope that they had an Uncle Fred somewhere who was a billionaire? And like one day someone's going to show up and go, hey, you didn't know him, but this person left you billions of dollars. You say, well, pa- why would you think that, Pastor? I don't know, I guess because I'm human. And I think that, that, that money solves everything. You say, well, I'm a Baptist. I don't believe in money. And I understand that. But the reality is there's always been kind of this secret wish, well, what if, what if? And Peter says you have an inheritance that doesn't fade. That, that doesn't diminish. It's reserved in heaven for you. That's where our inheritance is. And then Matthew 5, your reward is in heaven. Matthew five twelve says, Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. Some people say, well, why, why would God talk about rewards? Why would God do these different things if, if heaven is going to be a place for all? And I will... I will 
I will admit, I have not thought through all of the reward system to understand exactly how it's going to be that heaven is going to be glorious for us all, but God is going to be rewarding some of us. There is going to be, uh, there are going to be tears in heaven. We know that because God is going to wipe tears from the eyes, but I don't believe there's going to be any condemnation because the Bible tells us there is therefore not no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. However, the Bible does clearly tell us that there are rewards for those who will serve him. We have a short amount of time and this world to live by faith. Angels do not live by faith. They live by sight. Our loved ones who have gone on to heaven before us do not live by faith. They live by sight. We have a short amount of time to live by faith and to earn that reward. And I don't know if there's any greater reward than hearing, well done. Well done. And I know, I know that my experience is not your experience, but I'll tell you what, still to this day, I'm a 51-year-old man, and still to this day, when my daddy says, son, I am proud of you, it gets me. Imagine, imagine getting to heaven and hearing your Savior say, I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. I gave this to you, this was your cross, and you bore it. Well done. That's an inheritance that doesn't fade away. Not only that, but our desire should be for heaven. Romans 8.22 says, For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain until now. Not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit, the redemption of our body. You know what? Did you walk outside your house today? Did you see some weeds growing in your yard? I did. Do you know why those weeds are there? Sin. Some of you woke up and had extra things on your face that weren't there the night before. And they grew overnight and they showed up and they were red and they were pulsating. You said, what's going on? What's happening, sin? Some of you got up and an appendage wasn't working. Why? Sin. Some of you are watching this on live stream because you ate something for lunch and it didn't sit well with you and you're at home now. Why? Sin. I'm not saying you sinned in what you ate. But sin has broken the human condition. And everything that comes across, listen, everything is there to remind you, this world is not my home. Just passing through. One day it's going to be redeemed. One day it's going to be fixed. One day he's going to make everything new. And our heart should be in heaven. Our hope should be in heaven. Our hope should not be in the next election. Our hope should not be in a change in the interest rate. Our hope should not be in peace in Russia and Ukraine. Our hope should clearly be in what God has told us. We just read that in 2 Corinthians 4. Our hope should be in what it is that God has provided for us to look forward to. And you're there in 2 Corinthians. Look down at chapter 5, verse 5. The Bible says, Now he that hath wrought us wrought us for the selfsame thing as God, who also hath given unto us the earnest of the Spirit. Therefore we are always confident, knowing that while we are at home in the body, we're absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith and not by sight. We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Let that sink in. We are confident and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present from the Lord. How in the world can Paul say that? Because Paul has been walking with the Lord and he says, you know what, I would rather. But if God decides other. I will tell you, I have not yet woken up in the morning and looked around and saw that I was still on earth and gone, thy will be done. Okay, one more day. 
God's, God's mercies are new every morning. But what should be happening is I should be setting my affections on heaven so much that as I go through this, that I get to the point where I, like Paul can say, we are confident and willing rather to be absent. And Paul says that's why we labor, whether present, verse 9, whether present or absent, that we may be accepted of him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. So what do you think it is? Let me just ask you a question. I know that's church and you're not used to talking. But why do you think it is that we don't long for heaven? Why do you think it is that heaven is not something that a person who has been saved, I've been saved for the majority of my life, over 45 years. And being saved for 45 years, why is it easier for me to look forward to a family vacation than to look at heaven, than to look forward to heaven? Why is it easier for me to look forward to a certain time of year? Well, I, I know folks that get excited for football season, which is amazing to me. I mean, it's, it's been a long time since a football season truly has changed anybody's life. And yet every football season, oh, I'm so glad, boy, it's here. I know people that get excited about certain tunes that play on the TV. Dun, 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 dun. Some of you know what I'm talking about. You're chuckling. You go, I know what you're saying. Some of us are excited for this time of year. What happens this time of year? It's March Madness. Oh, we get excited for all of these things. And some, some of you have no idea who the St. Peter Peacocks are. But boy, you're excited to see them play against the whatever Murray State Racers or whatever it is. And we're getting all excited about that. Why is it that we get so excited for these things and we don't get excited for heaven? What's that? We've never been there? Okay. We live by sight, so we can't see heaven. So heaven's real, but it's kind of not real, Right? I mean, we know it's there, but we're not even as confident as we are at Disney World because we know it's there and we've seen pictures. Okay, so we live, by, we live by sight. We haven't set our affections there. We've never been there. What else? What's that? Sense of accountability. All right, explain that one a little bit for me. Okay, we don't have a sense of accountability. Our relationship with God? Okay. How do you think, how do you think you would set your affections? And let me say, I feel like it's my birthday. I can't believe I've had this many people talking already. This is just, this is exciting. I want to pinch myself. Okay. How do you set your affections? Well, what the Bible says, set your affections. What is it, what is it that you do? Send your treasure there. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. That's good. And some of you are saying, well, Pastor, what are you trying to get us to say? I don't have the answers in my notes. Spend time thinking about it. Spend time reading about it. Changing your focus. What's that? Make it your focus. Okay, she said, I, I, I love him. 
Nobody knows why, but she said, no. <laughs> I'm just kidding, Brother Chuck. So I love him, and because I love him, I set my affections, I spend time with. Okay, so we're spending time with. I think part of it, listen, what our culture is designed to do is simply distract us. We've, we've got multiple screens going all of the time. Some of us have had a cell phone long enough that our cell phone, the battery can be dead and we still feel it vibrating. How many of you have, has that ever happened to you? You felt phantom vibrations? Yes. I, there's, you should see that some of those, some of the vibrating things in the phones are so powerful now. I've heard it go, mm, and I've seen all 11 people on one pew go, the whole pew thinks it's their phone. Everybody's grabbing. I see it. Because I hear, Mm-mm-mm. and everybody's, because the whole pew is vibrating now. And we have all of these different things. And we are in a culture that is now set up for, hey, you can get anything that you want now. And God says, listen, all of this stuff here, all of this stuff is broken, is tainted, it's worthless. And we get so focused on what is around us. And it happens to me too. Got to get this done. 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 That we don't take time. Literally, setting your affections, we do it all the time. We say, hey, this is what we're going to care about. We set our affections on work. We set our affections on the yard. We set our affections on football. But we say, hey, you know what we're going to do? We're going to set our affections on the things of God. We spend time with them. We spend time with him in his word. We spend time with him in prayer. We spend time talking about him. We spend time thinking about him. We spend time memorizing his word. We spend time getting together with others to talk about it. We spend time meditating and realizing what it is that God has done and what God is going to do and asking him, what is it that is stealing my heart from you and getting rid of that so that you can focus on him? What was said over here? We remind ourselves that one day we are going to stand at the judgment seat. And I think so many times we preach the judgment seat incorrectly and we say, hey, you have to do this or you have to listen. The judgment seat is not a time of judgment. It's a time of rewards. But there will be a suffering of loss. And, we, and, 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 and I'll say that the, the Bible does not clearly lay it out how it's going to happen. It's not a grading system like you're used to or anything like that. But by stopping and thinking about the fact that, hey, it could be, it could be today. Some of you are old enough to remember the uh, Van Impey buttons that said perhaps today and had a little trumpet on it. You remember those? Perhaps today, maybe today, perhaps today. When's the last time that you actually thought in the middle of doing something, what would I think if God came back right now? There are some times I think most of us would not want for God to come right back at that particular moment. We want him to come back. Well, come back now because we're in church. In fact, some of us say, hey, come back any time. Pastor Goforth is preaching. Come on, we're ready for that. But in the middle of something else, we say, hey, God, what is it? And listen, it is, it is important that you realize that your heart is naturally and with automatically going to set its affections on things that are here. But here's the last thing, and nobody mentioned this, and this is the last thing, and we're done. How do we do anything that God has asked us? How is that done? How do we get saved? By grace, through faith. Paul said, you foolish Galatians, if you started by grace, are you now completed in the flesh? 
When's the last time you said, Lord, I'm way too involved in this earth. Help me set my affections on heaven. Help me set my focus on the judgment seat. Help me live for what's eternal. Help me live for what matters in your eyes. Lord, I know that you've asked me to do this. I can't do it. I need your help. Lord, give me that heart that beats for you. Give me that heart that longs for you. And let me encourage you to practice something that we don't often do in our culture. Practice that Sabbath time of rest. Can I be honest? Sunday is not a Sabbath time for many of us. We're running to church. We're getting ready for this. We're getting ready for this. We're getting ready for this. We go home. We get a 20-minute nap before we come back up for choir practice. And then we have a ladies' meeting. And then we have to get, go home and get the kids all scrubbed down and get their clothes laid out so they can make it to school on time in the morning. Sunday is not a time of rest. For many folks, Sunday is a time of work. But when do you purposefully pull apart and say, God, this is the time that I'm going to think about you. This is the time I'm going to meditate on you. This is the time I'm going to dun, 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 turn my phone off. Turn the internet off in my house. Separate from this world. And just think on you. And just rejoice in who you are. And just rejoice in what it is that you've done for me. Just Take a sad. I'm not taking, I'm talking about a whole day. I'm not talking about a whole weekend, but a regular time where you separate and you sit and you enjoy your Savior. Set your affection on things above. Let God, let God do what he wants to do in your heart. He's made you, he's saved you, he's redeemed you to love him. Set your affections on him. Let's stand to our feet, our head bowed, our eyes closed. I'm not going to have a come forward invitation. This is a long, long series of how do we diagnose our spiritual health. With heads bowed and eyes closed, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. I'm not going to ask you to identify, but I'm going to ask you. We've been, week by week by week, we've been saying, hey, here's something you can do to diagnose your spiritual health. Again, not asking you to raise your hand, but asking you to ask yourself, have you been diagnosing? Have you been evaluating? Have you looked at whether or not if you long to be with Jesus, long to be in heaven? Did you take time to ask yourself, am I more governed by God's word? Do I long? Do I long to be with other Christians? Am I a quicker forgiver? Am I a better forgiver? And the many, many other questions that we've gone through that we've asked from this very pulpit have you taken the time to take a step back and say, okay, folks, this accomplishes nothing if we don't take something with us and say, okay. So how are you in your spiritual health? Are you growing? Are you confident? You know if you're a Christian. You know if you've asked the Lord to be your Savior. Do you know that you have taken a step forward in your Christian walk? Do you know that you are closer to the God that saved you today than you were two months ago, four months ago, six months ago? Have you truly taken advantage of what we've been talking about and been diagnosing and been looking? It's not enough to be a hearer. The Bible calls us to be doers. 
Father, we thank you for the many gifts that you give us. And we thank you, Lord, that our sanctification is not dependent upon us. That you began the work, that you're going to complete the work. And Lord, I feel so inadequate to paint a picture of how our hearts should long after heaven, Lord, when so frequently I see my heart longing after other things. And Lord, I ask that you would help us. Lord, to consistently diagnose our spiritual health. Lord, to consistently take a step back and ask you to help us to love you with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. To love our neighbor as ourself. To hunger and thirst after righteousness. Lord, to the sorrow over sin. Lord, that we would learn that balance between depending on you and trying to do all in our own strength. And then, Lord, this week, as we go into the different responsibilities that you've called us to, Lord, whether at work or at home or, or a spring break or whatever it is, Lord, that we would take some time to purposely set our affections. Lord, to think and to meditate and to dream and to ponder who it is that we serve and what it is that's waiting for us. Lord, make us more like your son. Help us to impact our community for eternity. We love you. In Christ's precious name, amen. Amen. Thank you. You're dismissed. No, you can't leave yet. Sorry. Someone had a birthday this week, and he almost snuck by without you knowing about it. But on Tuesday, preacher turned 51. I can say that because he mentioned it in his message that he's 51 now. So let's sing happy birthday to preacher. Happy birthday to you. My, my life is complete now. Amen. You answered you. questions and sang. Yeah. Have a good night. Good night. We'll see you.